Welcome back, everybody, to Big Mama Hex. Today, we are sitting down with Amy Kelly. She is a friend and also creator, um, artist from Philly. I know her from my Philly days and um, a really wonderful mom group, um, our collective uh, by my side. Yes? (laughs) By my side. Terry Ramsey is like an angel, and she got a bunch of us all together at the same time. And it was really nice to meet really cool moms, uh, like-minded moms when I was spending some time in Philly when we lived there. Um, I think we met at a vending event at by my side. <laughs> by my side, try to do like a holiday. Was it? Oh yeah. Cause shop. by my side's at a church. Yeah. Yeah. They tried to do like a yes. holiday shop. And yes, it was like a bazaar. It was a bazaar bazaar. I love bazaars. Um, yes. And then I came over and, and you and Hunter had my husband, Hunter, and you had talked a bit and you had a Kutztown connection, which was really exciting for him because it's like in Philly. And, and before that, he had spent a lot of time in New York and he doesn't really meet many that know where Kutztown is, you know, um, and Hunter and your mother knew each other. You and he were able to go way back and it was really neat. And he was like excited and you were excited and it was cool. And um, also, you know, we just enjoyed your company. You're really great person and fun person down the earth person to be around Um, but yeah so we moved and when we moved we stayed in touch and Amy um also went to Kutztown and then I went to Kutztown for my graduate program and then it's so funny because I meet so many people here in Berks County that know you so well and it's really kind of neat because there's so much like six degrees of separation um and I think you worked at Uptown Espresso Bar right I did for a long time that's funny. I, I've noticed your yeah, that's so cool. friends list has gotten, uh, we've gotten closer. <laughs> like, yeah, it's like, no, it's so wild. I think when we were vending that event, maybe we traded because I know I got like this amazing crocheted, um, like octopus from you from my daughter, Henrietta. I think she was young on that. It yeah, was so was. cool. And it was this beautiful olive color. It was really beautiful work. So can you tell us a little bit about, um, well, let's start with where, where, where you live now, which we talked about Philadelphia, but where did you grow up, Amy? Let's go back to the beginning. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, the beginning, I didn't grow up, I didn't grow up where, uh, I was born, but, uh, I was born in Reading, Pennsylvania. Um, and my mom was from Kutztown originally. Um, but we moved around a lot. Um, I lived in Penn state for a short time, uh, state college, um, and and then we moved we the Norristown, and then we ended up settling in Lansdale, Pennsylvania. Um, so oh, okay. Lansdale is where I where I've lived the longest until I moved to Philadelphia. Actually, um, uh, so nice. I I went to um, I wanted to go to art school out of high school. Um, my I went to North Penn High School, and they had a really amazing art program. I was lucky that way. So um, I had a decent portfolio and I wanted to go to art school and I applied to all the schools in Philadelphia um, and I got in, I got into Tyler and more, maybe that's it. Um, But I couldn't afford them. Um, Mm. And, and yeah, I mean, I, I, I couldn't afford them. And, you know, it was like that middle-class America where my parents made too much money for me to qualify for things, but I didn't have enough money to pay for anything. So mm-hmm. Kutztown is where my mom's family was from. I was comfortable there. I would spend the summers there and they had a really, really good art program and I could afford it. 
So I applied there and I got in and I went. Um, anyway, and I ended up living in Kutztown. Uh, it ended up taking me 10 years to graduate because I worked full time through college. Same. Yeah, <laughs> I worked full time through college and I paid for it when I had money to go. Um, mm-hmm. But I ended up staying in Kutztown for, I don't know, I moved there when I was 19 and I left when I was 31. So, and then I oh, moved wow. to Philly, which is where I always wanted to go anyway. So here I am, but I don't, I love Kutztown and I have tons of friends that live there still. And it's, it's beautiful. And I always consider maybe, maybe, uh, maybe I'll buy a house there and move there, but I don't know. I like Philadelphia a lot too. So. Yeah, we miss Philly a lot. You do a lot of really cool stuff. I, I love that you've been showing a lot of the um, older stuff that you've done. You kind of went through uh, some some older work too that was really really neat to see, um, and then more recent painting that you did. Thank you. <laughs> um, so I do a lot of things, and I'm trying to figure out which you know which would be the best. <laughs> but uh, that is a mixed media, so it's mostly watercolor base, and then um, on and then there's some colored pencil, and there's a little bit of acrylic paint, and there is some. Uh, pen and ink but so oh, it's, wow. it's it's a mix of, of whatever my art my my, my the teacher of my major in cuts down so my, I, have, I have a degree in drawing so which was also I was going to ask you what is your degree so yeah it's in drawing which is pretty great because there are very few art schools that actually have that degree I don't even know if Kutztown still has it they yeah. might not have it anymore um but uh my my the teacher of my major, um, which for some reason is going out of my head right now. He's not George Searle. He's not there anymore. He retired. But uh, he used to say that I used to throw throw the whole box at my stuff. So so whatever was in my box, I would put on the paper. Yeah. Um, so that's awesome. So that's what that is. Um, so I do I, my 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 degree is in drawing and it was mostly figure drawing. So I, I just, I drew Mm. people, a lot of naked people. (laughs) Um, (laughs) and yeah, I I guess I, I draw and I paint, uh, people and, and places. And, um, that's, that's kind of what I do. And I wish I could just do it full time and never have to work ever again. But and then other than that, honestly, I, I picked up crocheting actually in college um, in a in an attempt to quit smoking. I thought that if I had something to that do makes with, sense. If I had something to do with my hands, I would not smoke cigarettes. Mm-hmm. Well, that didn't work. Uh, yeah, I still smoked until I was forty-one, I think. But uh, anyway, I don't smoke now. <laughs> Yay! But uh, I yeah, that's awesome. Congratulations, Amy. I know that's a real mf oh, to quit. Um, I mean, that's awful. Um, but yeah, so I started crocheting to quit smoking. I didn't quit smoking, but I kept crocheting. I I fell in love with it, and I am super hyperactive. Um, I cannot yes. just sit down. So crocheting is the only thing that makes me sit down at the end of the day. It, it, it relaxes me yeah. it calms me down. If you want to watch a movie with me, I have to bring my yarn and sit and do that. Otherwise I'm going to get up and clean something or I'm going to space out yep. attention. Um, so that it, it grounds me. Um, yeah. So, yeah. so, and I just, I, that's I really just, funny. 
Yeah, I was crocheting all the time anyway for, you know, for myself. And then I thought, well, I, what am I doing with all this stuff? I should try and sell it. Like, I have way too yes. many sweaters, you know, way too many crocheted stuffed animals, you know. So. Oh, the crocheted stuffed animals is super, super cool. I love that so much. Uh, it's interesting that you say that because I'm literally the same exact way. And I took up knitting. Um, actually, in college, too, actually, my friend taught me. And I think it was like to try and just calm my anxiety down. Yeah, it's funny. I My mom started crocheting after I did, which, you know, so oh, really? well, I kind of like showed her how to do stuff. But when my That's husband awesome. and I were just dating, um, we, you know, had been together, you know, whatever it was, a short amount of time that I hadn't truly shown him, you know, all my nerdiness yet. And I remember one of the first times that, you know, we were getting comfortable and he was at my house and we were sitting on the couch and we were going to watch a movie. And I said to him, um, do you mind if I crochet while we watch this movie? And he was like, no, not at all. And I was like, wow, he didn't think that was weird. You know, and I sat there and like crocheted while we watched the movie and he didn't say anything at all about that being weird or like call me a granny or anything like that. And then one of the first times I was at his parents' house. I sat on the couch with his mm-hmm. mom and she pulled out crocheting yarn and needle and needles and just started crocheting on the couch where she was talking to me. And I was like, Oh my God, that's why he didn't think I was weird. He grew up with it. Like that's what ladies that's do. So when they cool. on the couch. <laughs> yeah. I know, you know, my great, my great grandmother, granny Fisher would always say busy hands, happy heart. And I feel like that's really, really true. I feel, you know, like over the holidays and stuff, I forced myself to take like a week off and just not work. And it was extremely like painful and uncomfortable actually. Um, and, and not all work is like necessarily monetary gains, but just like not like, I was trying to be fully present with my children, but I realized like for myself, I need to fill that cup every day or else I'm just like a complete banshee. So (laughs) no, I can't do it. I can't not do something like it doesn't even have to be art. It can just be anything like cleaning. Like you said, I just have to have something that I like release that energy into, um, which is really, really important. But yeah, I I love your work so much. So, um, you know, talk to me about the evolution of the work and, oh, and the scarf, the hooded scarf you gave me is so amazing. And I can't wait. I'm having a photographer take pictures of me and I'm going to have her do some with the scarf on because it's so cool. I hope my friend reached out to you because she was like obsessed with it. Um, Amy made this really, really amazing hooded scarf and it's just, it goes on and on and on and it just feels so good and so magical. And it feels like a cloak. It's like very, very cool. Um, very cool scarf. So, so Amy, um, make sure you mention where, where people can find your work and follow you and um, ask you if they're interested in purchasing something. I have a, a Facebook page. It's four and seven. Um, that symbol that, what is it? Is it an umlaut? No, the, the, and symbol, whatever that's called. It's not an umlaut. What is it called? Oh, the, and the Abernathy. No, isn't it? Aber, ab, what is it? Wait, is it an ampersand? <laughs> so Abernathy yeah, that is was the, completely <laughs> That's my forty thousand dollars worth of graphic design right there. I know what an ampersand is. Yes. Like, yeah. So yes, it's four yes. seven with that ampersand. Okay, cool. Yeah. Ampersand. Yeah. I'll make sure to art. link that. Um, yeah. Four and seven art. Okay, cool. I'll make sure to link that on the show notes too. I just don't want to forget. Um, 
Amy's got a really lot of really cool uh, crochet work. Uh, it is gorgeous and and classy and and like um super super beautiful. Uh, Thank you. Really really nice stuff. Yeah, absolutely. So you have that um, that you're still doing and following patterns, I guess. Like, how do you? No, do you... I don't know how to read <laughs> patterns. I. Me neither. Yeah, I have Dude. no idea. So you I just. I what about know. the sweaters and the shrugs? I don't, I don't know. How, I, I didn't realize that it was weird, but I can like see the structure of it and then it's just not, make it. No, dude. Yes. I do the same thing. That's so wild, but you do such a, like, it's very tight. It's not like, I mean, it was easy to do like a poncho like that, but it looks like you followed a pattern, but it's beautiful. I'm, I'm, I don't think it's weird at all. I think it's incredible. So you're probably a very visual learner. Like I am Yes. and you yes. see it in your head or whatever and then you just like remake it yeah yes that's very yeah. very cool yeah. um, they're like beautiful, beautiful i've been work. totally uh, known to touch people in like public places be like i love that sweater can i touch it and they're like what you know and i'm like i just i i can't learn unless i touch it like if you don't let me touch it i won't know what it's made out of or like how it's put together <laughs> so it's very important for my growth right <laughs> yes oh my gosh so funny I used to do that too I used to it's funny because I'm like an introvert but I'm very extroverted I like have waves you know and uh I miss people and I never thought I'd feel this way it's really super weird but um okay, I, here's, I have your I'm definitely an introvert but I can pretend to be an extrovert when needed yeah it's you know I never really like understood that about myself until I heard an art an art teacher talk about that um another podcast it's called deep space sparkle because i know you teach art too you should check it out yeah. sometime i mean it's like super super like rainbows and and like it's like poppy from trolls like teaching art <laughs> teachers <laughs> but she's really really cool but she has a podcast too and she talks about having anxiety and like being an introvert that's a teacher and how difficult that is because you're literally on stage the whole time and you have to like really recover from that kind of you know mm. but um <sighs> very interesting stuff and I never really identified that way but then it made a lot of sense to me so Amy's work um really really well executed I was never able to do um realism very well and I just I, I really am blown away by the precision and and how beautiful it looks Thank so you. so I, I also I've been doing commission uh drawings of people's homes around around Fishtown really? I kind of fell into that by accident but uh, I enjoy it um, and I have a couple uh, commission portraits that I have to start working on. I started one the other day, but um, so little by little, my commission work is picking up and I, I hope that it continues. I put it off for a long time uh, because of just being a mom and raising kids. Um, mm -hmm. But back in the day before I moved to Philadelphia, that was a big part of my income was doing commissions. So around, yeah. around Berks County and stuff like that, there's people own portraits that I've done, you know. Um, but yeah, I moved to Philadelphia, met my husband, got married, had a couple kids. And, and here I am, 46 years old, being like, oh, that's right. I make art. <laughs> like, you know, so COVID has actually been really good for me in that way. That uh, I, I barely, I'm barely working but it's, it's given me the time to start creating and remembering yes. that part about myself. Yeah. That's so interesting. You say that because actually like we just did our taxes and we had like, I had the best year I've ever had being self-employed 
I'm kind of forced to not teach as much. And that's not really what I want to do. I like teaching a little but and it gave me the time to have that opportunity. So I'm sure that's kind of what you're experiencing. So how can people reach out to you? Um, what's the best way to reach out to you if they're interested in that? Through the four and seven art, or they can find okay, me. Cool. Yeah. Four and seven art on Facebook or uh, a key belly on, uh, on Instagram. Can you talk a little bit about um, teaching? Cause you've done some teaching too as well, right? Yeah. I've been teaching for, I guess, five or six years now. Um, that's nice. another thing I totally fell into doing. I was a bartender for <laughs> a long time, bartender for a long time. I started bartending when I was 20 and, and I don't know when I stopped, but I was still teaching and bartending at the same time. So I'm not sure. I think maybe I stopped bartending like three years ago. Um, <clears throat> but, uh, anyway, teaching, um, I was substituting at Luna's uh, preschool whenever they needed somebody. Oh no. First, first I had, cause I didn't have a lot of money. I had asked for money off of tuition if I prepped their craft projects and I, I was going to buy my side with Terry. And of course Terry said yes. So I would prep a craft project for them to do with the kids every Friday. And then from there I ended up substituting whenever somebody needed a day off. And then one of the girls got pregnant and they wanted to hire somebody and they said, well, you're already here. Do you want to just work here? I said, sure. So that meant mm -hmm. Luna went tuition free and I had a job. Nice. And then they, they went from a part-time to a full-time gig. And when they went to a full-time gig, I found out that they were opening up the whole arts room. And I said, um, I have a degree in art. I'm already working here. Um, can I be the art teacher? And they said, sure. So I went from part-time to full-time. And then I had my arts class. Now, granted, this is only, you know, two to two to six years old, I think was the, my oldest kid. But little That's kids. Favorite, teach, though. <laughs> I know they were amazing. They were so amazing. And like, I, I, know. To I totally took it for granted what they were capable of. I mean, they were capable of so much and grasped so much information. And I had no idea that little kids could learn that much or do that much and uh they taught me a lot they taught me a mm -hmm. lot like how to just open up and let go and you know like it doesn't yes. have to, you know it doesn't have to look like that and they also taught me I didn't realize like how little kids can't communicate really well but they can communicate through art mm -hmm. really well so they might not be able mm -hmm. to have the words to say what they're feeling but they can draw yeah. it you know and even and even if mm -hmm. you, they do a couple lines on a piece of paper and you're like, draw a lion and they do a couple lines and you're like, that doesn't look like a lion. And then you look at it and you're like, oh, wait, it is. It's totally a lion. I can see where you put mm -hmm. the lion's jawline and I can see where that's a mane. But really, it just looks like a squiggle on the paper. But they got it. Anyway, mm -hmm. I went on a tangent, but they taught me a lot. <laughs> and um, then by my side got shut down which is very sadly not the play playgroup the school and I was out of right. a job for a while and then I started substitute teaching um mm. just to fill in the gap um mm -hmm. and I was actually still doing that before COVID uh, yeah but luckily I got one school so I substitute teaching at an elementary school um That's cool. it, was a, it was the same school so the kids got to know me really well um, yeah that's awesome yeah. And then what was my, oh, and then, um, 
I just started looking at it. Indeed, a friend of mine said, you know, hey, because I don't have a teaching certificate. So, and I was thinking about getting it, but it's really expensive. Um, yeah. And I don't, putting myself in that kind of debt at this stage of my life, just kind of, I wasn't sure if that made any sense. Um, anyway, so I just started looking at like private schools and, uh, mm -hmm. and anyway, and so now I teach at, right now I teach at three different private schools. Um, so I teach, um, at a school in New Jersey, it's for uh, kids that fell through, the, it's a high school, um, but it's for kids that kind of fell through the cracks. So when I say high mm. school, the youngest kid is maybe 13 and the oldest kid is 20. Um, so there are kids oh, that, wow. that either have autism or mm -hmm. they, you know, were severely abused or their mom got shot and they're being raised by their grandmother, like mm -hmm. just crazy stories. And they, you know, oh they made it to, made it to 16. It didn't learn how to read, you know, things mm. like that. And so I teach them art. And then I also teach at a private Catholic school in Philadelphia, which is a lot of the same things. It's, it's a very, very small school and it's kids that have learning disabilities and, and just need some extra help and some more one-on-one. -on -one. And, um, and then I teach at a Montessori school in, in New Jersey also. Oh, my favorite. I teach at a Montessori yeah. school too. Yeah, you said that. How has yeah. that um, influenced? Yeah, I'm like completely obsessed with Maria. <laughs> yeah. I, I Has that influenced do... your teaching? I actually, <laughs> I, I don't know how much I should say. I, I actually have a hard time there. I actually prefer the, the, the kids with the. Well, it depends on the, the school too. Couple. Yeah, I, that's what I. Oh, yeah. And it depends um, on the school. Well, yeah. And you know what? Too, I've actually like changed... she started. Oh, no, go ahead. Tell she started working with kids. Yeah, listen, I'll make you fall in love with her because it's probably just a bad experience, you know, for itself. But her as, a, as an educator and the whole philosophy is really incredible. She started, she was teaching kids with intellectual disabilities that would have to live in a home, right? And so she started teaching them. And this is powerful to me because I had a very difficult time learning um, with manipulatives rather than like concepts, like abstract concepts, she would put things in front of their hands and it would be tangible for them to manipulate. And like with the art, it's all about like the process and enjoying the process and like the tangible of the art, not necessarily the product, but you know, anybody can call themselves a Montessori school. They may not actually follow it. I've been really um, profoundly impacted by the people that teach at this school and the way that they provide the Montessori method. So it's certainly not always the same, but I found, I wish I had known this way to approach teaching art when I taught in Philly, because I felt really alone and like unsure how to reach the kids because they didn't have any experience with art and they were like, not giving me supplies. And then <laughs> it was like a whole lot of things coming all to a head and the kids, it was hard to reach them. So I would just do student, like student directed work with the kids in Philly, um, except for the elementary school kids, I'm talking about like middle school kids and stuff. I just asked them like, what, what do you guys want to do? But yeah, I wish I had known that because I think it would have helped me reach, reach them better. Um, and kind of just, I don't know, it, it was really tough, but yeah, I hear you very vastly different in, um, what we'll just say entitlement and, and like severe poverty and, and 
you know, of course that's going to change the attitude you have towards life and teachers and somebody coming in, like I'd come in there like, okay, we're going to do this today. And they'd be like, like, calm down. You're way too extra right now. <laughs> you know what I mean? But I mean, I would let the kids dance and stuff. Cause I was just like, whatever it is, if it's creative expression, you know, let's just try and have some fun. You get like a little break in here. And it was interesting. But when I did teach a hack, it actually they made me take down all the art in the entire building for the PSSAs. And I was like, fuck you, public school. That's I gotta awful. go. Bye. It was a prison. But the principal then was awful too. Um, she was real. Um, yeah, I'm like, how are they gonna cheat from art anyway? Yeah. Dude, I can't I can't with the public school system. And it's very sad, but I, I understand what you're saying. It's it's a much different crowd typically, but um I'll send you, I'll actually send you, I read a book to my students about Maria and she was actually pretty incredible. She was the first female doctor in Italy. Very cool. So that's pr- pretty, pretty cool. She was a really cool lady, but of course, you know, like any other legacy, people use it the wrong way and make it bullshit. <laughs> I hear yeah, you know. yeah. but that's very, yeah. that's very I, cool. Um, I just, I, I haven't, you said entitlement and that's exactly what I come home mm. every week complaining about. Yeah. I have a very difficult time with the way that those kids talk to me and treat mm-hmm. me. And mm-hmm. my other kids would never do that. So See, that's incredible. I hear you. I totally know what you're saying. Um, I don't have that particular situation at my school, thankfully. Um, it could be like that. But our, our head of school is really on top of it and, and won't allow disrespect because that's another big thing with Montessori, the actual method. If you're practicing it the right way, you know, it's about community and, um, you know, being kind to each other. So that makes me sad. But yeah, I hear you. Yeah. You know, anybody can put it on their placard, you know. Yeah. But anyway, um, Amy, I love hearing more about the work that you're doing. And um. My friend, Sarah Gise, I mean, when I first started teaching at Philly, that's kind of what I wanted to do. I wanted to be somebody that could help kids that are struggling through art, you know, kind of like you become an art therapist, basically, you know, Um, do you have any, like she and I talked about it a lot. And, uh, you know, I told her it was really hard leaving the the position because I felt like um, it was hard to leave those kids behind a couple of my schools got closed while I was an art teacher there. And it was really just hard to know that I would never see the kids again. Um, do you have any advice for people that like want to, uh, is, is there any way that we can help out these kids that you're working with? Like, do you ever do like a donor choose or anything? Are there opportunities to help the programs that you're working with? Um, I had to do donors choose at Philly, like to get supplies and stuff. I don't know if you're familiar with it, but is there any way that people can help, um, help support you in the communities that you're serving like that uh I know, do you have anything like that I don't have I don't have a donor's shoes although I've been this is, this is probably the fifth time that's come up so I guess I should really look into it I can um, help you girl I'm good at it <laughs> all right I'll take it um the 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 catholic school that I work at it's called Sophia Academy and they are okay. they're struggling a lot right now um, I am not a Catholic, but they have hired me. <laughs> I'm <Right>. not religious. <laughs> um, right. I, I feel as long as nobody's getting to hurt, it, I, I'm good with everything you believe. Um, but anyway, so it's called Sophia, Sophia Academy, which actually my husband was telling me the other day, Sophia is actually a really interesting 
woman that I should be reading more about. Yes. Yes. So he's curious, right. Yep. Hunter taught I'm, me about her. Yeah. I'm curious about um, the name of the school and I want to read more about her than ask the uh, founder if that's why she did that. Anyway, but aside from that, Sophia Academy, it's in Philadelphia. Um, it's in the West Oak Lane area. And yep. they are okay. struggling really badly. Mm. And she's worried that she might have to close because of COVID. Um, they've mm-hmm. lost a lot of students. And um, I guess the students that do go there, um, you get you, they get some sort of scholarship depending on how many people are enrolled. And then the less right other students can't attend there anymore because they're not getting any money so she had sent me um like an email thing asking for me to send out for donations i can look back through my emails and try and find it and send it to you so actually i found the website and yeah there's a there's a button for paypal so i can just i can link that um okay yeah our school's in the same boat our montessori school's in the same boat it's been really hard for private schools you were saying that you were doing Sophia. something with yeah, Sophia, and then you said to Hunter, "Is this okay?" And he said, "Hell yeah, yeah." Well, the thing <laughs> is, he's like he was he was brought up Lutheran and and deeply religious family, like not well, I shouldn't say deeply, but compared to mine, religious. And um, he came to his heathenism or paganism on his own, like after being raised that way. But I was not in the same boat. I was like raised basically feral from religion, and now how to sort of sort through it and find a path, which I haven't found quite yet, but I'm closer. Um, it feels good to me, but I'm with you. Uh, I, I lean into like paganism and just honoring and worshiping the earth because I do believe it's alive and that's just where I lean in, but it's, it's tricky. It's very, very tricky. And, uh, especially, you know, I'm sorry. Like, I feel ha- exactly the same way. I, I, I was also raised very feral when it came to religion. Um, mm-hmm. Kevin is from, I don't know, a Protestant maybe background, but he doesn't practice at all either. Um, he is, we, I wouldn't say we're pagan or we're Wiccan or I wouldn't, I wouldn't say we're anything, but I definitely, yeah, same. I definitely, I, I don't believe in a God. I think that that's crazy talk to me. <laughs> um, especially like reading all the Greek myths and the road, like, it's just the same story, like over and over again. Mm-hmm. Like, so why is yours more important than anybody else's? It doesn't make any sense to me. But anyway, but I do, I've had it so many times, like, like the best I could say is that I'm an atheist because I just don't believe in God. If you want to say straight out, like, what are you? I'm just going to say I'm an atheist because I don't believe in God. But right. so many people have, have taken that to mean like, like, cause I'm a Satanist. And I'm like, well, no, people um, are so if, dumb. I don't, if I don't <laughs> believe in God, why would I believe in Satan? That doesn't make any sense to me, you know? And then also it's like, people have been like, oh, so like basically like I don't know how to love because I don't believe in God. Oh I'm my like, goodness. Like what are you talking about? So basically the I don't know there's not a word for it. Maybe there is a word for it. Maybe you know, maybe it is paganism, maybe it is Wicca. I don't know. But the same way that you're saying mm-hmm. I believe in I believe in the earth and I believe that yes. I am connected to the earth. I believe that I'm part of you. You're part of me. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm part of my neighbor. You know, I'm, I'm we're part of each other. Yeah, it's and, like energy. So we have yeah. To, yeah, we have to make sure that we're good mm-hmm. during the time we have here. And yep. when I die, I think I just go back to the earth. I just become yep. part of nature again. 
mm-hmm. you know, like, unless I fill myself with weird chemicals and all that stuff, but I don't want to do, <laughs> but then I'm going to be there forever, you know, just rotting the, you know, when I'm not rotting in the ground, but anyway, so yeah, I don't, and I, I think that part of that, I've read all kinds of articles, you know, on, mm. on a million different things, but and I'm not trying to say being an atheist is better than believing in God. I just feel like there's been so many terrible things done in God's mm-hmm. name. Yeah. For me, it's just, it's really a big turnoff, you know, just, yeah. Yeah, for sure. And, and all of the gods, not just the yeah. Christian God, all of the gods, there's been horrible, horrible things done. I always found uh, it almost repulsive how divisive organized religion is in all religions. You know, it's really, even, even in the pagan communities that I'm like, um, uh, associated with or like lean into or whatever, there's still like a ton of divisiveness and judgment and like this idea that there's a certain law to live by. And I'm like, um, not working for me. And, you know, I have to tell you, Amy, in this year of my life, I have discovered a woman named Sharon Blackie and her work is really incredible. And it's, um, the mythic. Um, what the heck does she call it? Uh, anyway, it's all about the wisdom within, but also having a relationship with place. Like she's super into place and it's, 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 it's grounded in like Celtic and Gaelic um, mythology and getting back to the roots, but it spoke so deeply to me. I was like, holy shit. I felt like my heart literally burst out of my chest when I started reading it, which I did on audio, audio, audible while I was reading. I I don't read girl. Yeah. I don't don't have time for reading. (laughs) I well, because like, I can, I can crochet or I can drive. Exactly. I can, like I can't I can, sit. No. 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 I can't no, either. I, I use audiobooks. I enjoy. Heart. I enjoy getting the information, but I don't enjoy the process of getting information. You have to check her out, though, because it's like. And here's what I decided. I just turned Is this forty. The and woman I was like, that you you posted a picture of. Her yes, book? I'm yeah, obsessed okay. with her. Yeah. Listen, and I don't really like promote anything like this. And I've been looking a long time for my place and like my belonging, but she it clicked. And like, you don't have to be Celtic to feel that, but she talks about, uh, and the thing, the quote that she said that I heard the other day on her podcast was like, it's okay to like make your own myth. Like it's okay to like not have a definition for what you believe, but to feel like I'm connected to my neighbor and I'm connected to you and I'm connected to the earth. And I don't have to define that. This idea that another friend came up with who is very connected to a certain religion, um, or Glava, she did say though, that there's all, there's this, and I think this is speaking to the time that we're living in it's called identity collectors and people want to constantly be like putting themselves in like in categories or um you know making sure that they're checking certain boxes or whatever but it's also okay to be like absorbing things that that you feel connected to but not like prescribing to the whole thing you know like you said about catholicism i feel the same way i'm deeply disturbed by the abuse that's happened to um to children and to nuns uh, at the hand of the, the system. But I also have seen beauty in Catholic schools and the private school angle. And I, and I get, and you can be in between that and that's okay. And you don't have to always choose a side. And I think religion or, or spirituality or worship is all like that because it's a, like, you have to find the things that connect for you and it doesn't necessarily have to be defined. And it could be like, you're writing your own mythology or your own story, you know, and, 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 you know, finding your own path. And that's really a leadership thing. That's like when you have to be told what to do, it's very much a follower thing. And I'm not calling people weak. I'm just saying like, you're either one personality or the other, like you're either a leader or you're a follower and it's not to negate being a follower. Or you just want to be left alone. 
Yeah, or you're like an introvert that's like, just put me in the stone cave and leave me alone. But yeah, I would definitely highly recommend that and all Audible, honey, and the yeah. podcast. I'm <laughs> just like, yeah. But I, I absolutely hate being told. I absolutely hate being told what to do. I hate it. I hate it. I hate it. I hate it. I even if I know you're better at it than me, (laughs) I'm not saying I'm going to be good at it. I'm just going to say like, let me try it first. Yes, and then when I need help, I'm going to ask you for help. So you know, Uh (laughs) I know. I hear you. I hear you a thousand percent. I'm just like the same way, and it's weird because I keep getting so close to joining a group because especially during this, I felt really a longing for um, community. But then I realized like I have a really incredible community community. Like you're part of my community. It's like, I've collected relationships everywhere I've gone, but it doesn't have to be somebody that I can see or like have an everyday exchange with. But this is my community like that I've created and brought together for myself. And it doesn't have to be under a certain name or certain rules. And I'm just like, I can't do with the rules. You know, you know, one thing that I always respected about like the way my family practiced Christianity is they always said, you know, you connect with the Holy Spirit on your own. You don't need somebody standing up there telling you, oh, the Holy Spirit's here. Connect now. Like you can plug in your device now. It's like, yeah. and I felt that. Give, give me $20 and now you can talk. Yeah, about exactly. Uh, you know, and I felt that before that connection to something. And I decided this year, actually, like, I don't need to define it. It just, I'm going to lead my life the way that I've been trying to do the best I can and be kind to others. And that's the way it's going to be. And I don't give a shit. Yet. <laughs> so I hear you. Um, Getting boy, older really, is wonderful that way, isn't it? I am obsessed with it. And I, and, and this is another thing with her book too. It's really cool because this like blew my face off. Okay. My whole life I've struggled with insecurity, especially when like seeking attention, um, in like relationships or whatever. And she talks about how like at this stage in our life, we get to not be looked at just as, as like a uh, beautiful or like sex objects or like sought after in that way. And not even look at ourselves necessarily that way. Not that we're not, and not that we can't still like enjoy all those things, but that we become into like a time in our life that it's more about wisdom and being able to like, not have that, like take up so much of our time where we have to be like constantly being like pushing people off of us or like that, that attention doesn't always feel welcomed, you know? And I thought that was really poignant and I love it. And also the give a shit muscle completely dies. <laughs> breaks, <laughs> yeah. and you're just like done, done, done. And it's like very empowering time in my life. I am so much enjoying it, Amy. I just, I do wish that I could gather with my friends more and family, but that's the only downside of yeah this yeah, time totally. in my life. But I I really have been enjoying it. You know, self-love is awesome. And I like being the size I am and everything, but it's also kind of like, it's kind of starting to affect my health and I have to take it more seriously. So, you know, it's a tough, it's a tough situation because it's really interesting. And I'm sure you can understand this because we're similar in age, like to see this new, this whole new crop of like young people and especially women be so empowered by like self-love and like um, body acceptance and all these things that like riot girls were like talking about. But it's also kind of like, it's hard to watch only because like, um, it's just, it's, it's hard to watch because, you know, with weight and stuff, it, it can become like very, this is very like just personal for me. Clearly you're not like an obese person, but it has definitely like changed my life and affected me in a lot of ways. And it, it's hard to watch just because I'm like a, a super empath person. And I just worry like, oh, you know, like, yes, you should always love yourself, but it's also kind of like 
you know, and it's not like a size or, or an amount of weight that you are, but it's just more like a lifestyle where it's kind of, you know, it, it does catch up with you and it will bite you in the ass, which it did to me. And I'm just like, Oh, well, I guess I'm at that age now where I can't just ignore this. So it's, it's tricky because part of me gets really excited. because I was like, wow, I wish this was happening when I was growing up. But then I was like, Oh wait, it was. And it was amazing. And now we've passed the torch and it's really incredible to watch. And Oh my effing God, Amy Kelly, like the me too movement. Like I'm catching on to the Britney Spears stuff. And I was like, Oh my God, like we grew up, like I graduated high school when she came out and like just seeing the way, like, it's so weird to like watch the video of the questions she was asked with this contemporary context or frame, like, or lenses we're looking through and just be like, what the actual fuck, how did this happen? And how did they get away with it? And then all of the plethora of disgusting males that were doing all the disgusting things. And it's just incredible. And, um, just mind-blowing and it's really exciting not exciting that it happened but are you talking about the Hulu documentary the what what the, there's yeah a I haven't seen it. it I haven't yeah, seen I it have, I've just heard about it on my podcast baby Kelly because I haven't sat down and watched it but I did go in yesterday and I wanted to hear what they meant by um the dinosaur dinosaur interview and it was really disgusting the way they treated her and uh you know my my daughter who's 12 you might remember Maya is really obsessed with becoming like a a kid, like a Disney star or like a kid, an Instagram model. That's like the thing that they talk about now. I'm like, Oh, it's like, how about you do this? How about you like share your talents on Instagram? And then you you're like beautiful. So you're like also modeling, but it's so hard to watch. Like that's the goals. Right. And I'm trying to explain to her like what has happened to these young stars. And like Britney Spears would be an example of, you know, and like Miley Cyrus, just like it changes the way you develop and it changes your, the way you see the world and enjoyed your childhood, like why you still have the innocence, you know? So it's, re- it's really interesting. I haven't seen it, but, um, I heard a lot about it and it made me really upset because it was like, yeah, that was really fucked up, but it was not fucked up then as much as it is now. And I guess maybe 30 years from now, we'll be saying the same thing about stuff now, you know, yeah, but it, it was exciting to see that movement happen. And and I think I have to say, I think the vehicle was social media. And I think it, it made a huge impact that we didn't have that, like when we were younger and trying to, to make changes. And I think that's been incredible for young people to have that because generally speaking, they can't really filter you or like stop you from saying things and, and things move quickly. And it's pretty incredible, you know? Yeah, no, it's, it's huge. It's huge. Yeah. I mean, I talking about like when we were younger. Yeah. I mean, I also didn't have, I didn't have a, a gauge. You know, like I didn't mm-hmm. have something to gauge off of like, well, is that appropriate or was it not appropriate? And now right. I'm like, oh, yeah. Like just even little, I, I posted something on my Facebook page recently, a, a story that somebody uh, said about their daughter that um, the, the grandfather had come up behind their daughter and was like rubbing her shoulders uh. like, like and then asking her for something and, the, and it was obvious or asking for a hug or something. And it was obvious the little girl didn't want it. And the mother mm-hmm. said, she doesn't want you to touch her. And he was yes. like, oh, no, and he was tickling her. And, and she was like, stop doing that. You're making her uncomfortable. And the grandpa was like, what are you talking about? Blah, 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 blah. And she was like, that's her body that you're invading, yes. you're invading her body. And then the mother ended up saying to the daughter, do you want him to do that? And the daughter was afraid and like, had just kind of like, sure. No. And she said, honey, if you don't want somebody to do it, it's okay that you, it's okay to say that you don't have to just yep. take it. 
and ended up making her her father, her grandfather, very angry. And he left the room. He was angry. And it hit me so hard that nobody as a young yes. girl had ever told me that I could say right. no. Yeah. You know? Right. I so, do. Yep. You know, I had a weird uncle that used to make me sit on his lap. He never did anything yep. like, crazy, but he Same. used to make me sit I know. on his lap. And he used to like yep. hug me and ask me if I had a boyfriend and all this stuff. And I, mm-hmm. he made me so uncomfortable. And I didn't know that I was allowed to say no. I didn't know sure. that I could have said something to somebody. Be like, I don't want to sit on Uncle, I'm not going to say his name, Black. Right. You know, like he gives me I the hear you. Yep. You know? anyway. that's, that's really interesting though, Amy, because that's what my takeaway was from me too, actually. It's like, well, where can, can the work be done in my life? And the work is done by teaching my son and teaching my daughters about, um, <laughs> the word I want, damn it. I lost it. Um. It starts with a V. Uh, Venereal disease? No, girl. (laughs) (laughs) Um, When you have someone's permission. What the hell is that good word? It might not be a V. Consent? What you're talking about. Yeah, consent. I'm sorry. It's not a V. Um, I decided that that's where the work can start. And and the interesting thing about it is I feel the same exact way and weird shit happened to me too. And like, I had no idea... So my kids get really grossed out when I talk about it, but I continually tell them about that, including them, the, the, each other, like, you know, don't let the, your brother or sister or anybody in your life touch you in this way or whatever. And this yeah. is so incredibly important because it's so true. And, and my daughter's 12, she's in seventh grade. They've ta- not taught her about sex yet. And I was like, literally what the fuck is going on? Cause I learned in sixth grade and it wasn't great, but it was something, but if you don't know what sex is, how will you know that it's wrong what someone's doing to you? You know, yeah, yeah, I think totally. that's very powerful yeah. and important. Both, both my kids know way too much about sex. And me, about too. Menstruation. <laughs> yeah, me too. Me too. I teach my kids about that. And they're just like, Oh my God, she's like the weirdest mom in the whole entire world. But I'm like, you know what? At the end of the day, they're going to go into these situations and at least have some framework. Like you're saying something to gauge. And I think that's such an important takeaway. And I bet you that woman who told her daughter that had definitely experienced some of that shit herself. Yeah. And was like remembering how that felt because I can actually, you're like remembering the feelings that it would give you too when these weird things would just occur. like closed in. I would just close in, like, mm-hmm. you know. Just- and you feel so invisible and so small. And I think that's why people don't understand how often abusive children happens because the children have no gauge exactly like and there's such a there's such a huge range of abuse there's so many ways that people can abuse and not necessarily have contact but um it's funny you mentioned that because I actually uh put boundaries up in my family over an uncle that was touching Maya in a weird way with the shoulders it's funny you said that and I said I won't speak to them anymore and that was really hard for me because I was always like very people pleaser person. And that was something that recently happened. It was really empowering for me and for her to know, like, this is not okay. Never put up with this ever. Of course, there's going to be jerks in your life, but you're going to know better than I did yeah. and be more equipped, you know? So I think it's been a gift for everybody, not just young people with the Me Too movement, like even, and just watching like, watching like Bill Cosby, you know, be brought to yeah. terms with the things that he did. And, um, what the Epstein. hell was the guy's name? Epstein. The guy with the island. Thank you. Yeah. yeah. That motherfucker. I just, and just to have an awareness of the trafficking and, t- and talk to my kids about that and how it can be people that you feel like you can trust. It's just very, all very, very important information. I do think in that way, social media is very 
very good and very helpful, you know, to have us <laughs> be able to um, make those connections. Wait, can I tell you a story you. about Miley, Miley Cyrus real fast? Yes, please. Okay, so I, I don't know much about her, but I have seen her do a lot of really great uh, covers lately. Um, I love her work, actually. Yeah, yeah, she's really blossomed into a really <laughs> amazing person. But so yeah. she did, I think, a Saturday Night Live or something like that recently. And while we were watching her, uh, Kevin, my husband, uh, he does light shows for rock concerts. So right now he's oh, not wow. really working because there's no concerts. <laughs> right. But aside from that, he was saying, he's like, oh, Miley, Miley Cyrus. He said one of my, one of the guys he works with worked one of her shows. Oh, wow. So th- he was, you know, doing the lighting, but they, they have like, they always have a lead lighting guy. And she was working at some place that she doesn't usually work at. And so the lead lighting guy she was working with wasn't necessarily her lighting guy. Mm. And she said to him, I want you to light me like a man. And he said, well, no, you're, you're the main female singer. We're going to light you the way I'm going to light you. And she said, no, you're going to light me like a man. And I was like, what are you talking about? And Kevin said, when they light a female singer, they usually light her. They put a spotlight on her and drowned out the rest of the band. Mm. And she was saying, don't do that. I want light on me the same as all, everybody else in the band. We're, we're working That's together. Awesome. And the guy said, but you're, he's, he said something about like, well, you're, you're the sex of the band or something like that. And she said, mm-hmm. no, she's like, I'm going to be sexy all on my own. No matter how you light me, I <laughs> want you to girl. light me like a man. You know, mm-hmm. anyway, and, and, and that's so that, cool. The guy that Kevin works with witnessed the whole thing. And he was like, it was amazing. It, it, she was did, awesome. did, did they listen to her? Did they do I it? I think so. I I'm think sure they did. did cause she's did. like not going to take it. Yeah. yeah. What I meant, what I meant by the child stars is I think there's an innocence loss. And actually we know a lot about her because my kids love Hannah Montana. And it was one of the few Disney shows that I really actually liked watching. Um, it was a really cool story. And just, you know, her dad works so closely with her. I don't think she ever like flew off the handle, but I do think there was like, some loss of innocence just by working when you're that young, you know, but that's incredible. I really actually like her a lot. Um, I think at a certain age, it might've been hard to have my kids listening to her when she was going through like a lot of the like super overtly sexual stuff that they don't understand yet because mm-hmm. they know about sex, but they don't know about like being sex, being sexy and you know, all that stuff. Yeah. And, and it's funny because Amy, this is so tough. I'm sure. Cause you're a cool mom. Uh, some of the stuff that I listen to, like my kids listen to too. And I'm like, when I'm hearing my 12 year old, like sing, um, bad guy by Billie Eilish, I start oh. to like completely cringe. And I'm like, now I understand why my mom could not, I would listen to Danzig mother and she would be like, I'm going to literally pull your face off. Like stop yeah. listening to that. Yeah. And now it's yeah. like, I'm living that horror. Cause yeah. she's like singing the lyrics. And I was like, um, no. Yeah. Like, yeah. Luna so listens I, to, to bad guy also. She loves that song. And there's another song, that song. Playdate song. I don't know that song. I'll have to check it Luna out. Luna sings it's so good song, though. Sings the song. It's not a Billy Irish song. It's somebody else, but it's a, I guess I'm just a playdate to you. I guess I'm just a playdate to you. Ooh. But anyway, there's lines in the song that they're not talking about playing like after school. They're talking about sex. Like I'm just a sex oh. person for you. And mm. so I've we've had talks. She's standing right here 
about some of the lyrics that she's singing and that that's what they're talking about and not, yeah. not playing. Yeah, that's what we talked about too. In a very like non-graphic way, I said to her, you know, this is speaking about something that's um, a sexual act and she's empowered in the situation, which is fantastic, but it's not something that you need to sing at your mm -hmm. end because, yeah. Yeah. you know, it's like, yeah. And then she's like, well, what about the part where she's like, my mommy loves to sing along, but she won't sing this song and she pities the men I meet. And I was like, oh, <laughs> oh my gosh, I'm living my mom's nightmare that I gave her. I'm just like, totally. oh my gosh. It's so but funny. it's interesting because I'm, she's like, but you listen to it. And it's like, oh, well, that's the truth. Yeah. But yeah, that's very, very cool. So um, they all, they have their own little like Instagram account that I can really police it because I know Instagram really well, but we don't do like TikTok or anything. Cause I'm like, I don't need to get in any new new age stuff that I can't figure out yeah, <laughs> like yeah an old buddy buddy what is your experience of being Pennsylvania Dutch and and how that as a contemporary Pennsylvania Dutch person um how has that experience been because I'm very curious about that um you know how do you feel how do you feel about it and and do you feel connected to it and you know um it's tricky being a modern lady out here in the culture, you know? So it's, it's a very tricky position and uh, navigating it is a little tricky, but I'm just wondering how you're feeling, how you feel about all that. I think it's funny because as a grown up, um, you know, meeting people like you or um, recently um, a woman, on, I'm on, on this buy nothing group on Facebook where, you know, you, you get rid of things you don't want. And there was a woman talk. Excuse me. Sorry. There was a woman talking about how she needed, um, and I don't remember her name right now. But she needed uh, basically props uh, for her her culinary projects, and so she was she was going to culinary school, and she needed props to put up with her food to take pictures of for her senior thesis, and. Oh, wow. I, yeah, and I chimed in because I have a friend of mine that makes cutting boards, and I thought maybe the two of them could get together and he could get really nice photos taken of his cutting boards, and and she could have a really nice cutting board. And in the conversation, it turns out that she is is basically majoring in Pennsylvania Dutch food. Yeah, at Drexel. I could, oh, I think it's at, and I was like, Whoa. what? I was like, I'm Pennsylvania Dutch, and then she said. Oh, really? So am I. And then we started going back and forth about it. But then she kind of turned it into this lesson where she was teaching me about it. And I was just like, okay, no, no, that's not where, I mean, not that I know everything. I certainly do not know everything about PA Dutch culture. I'm two generations removed now, but, um, I didn't anyway, whatever. Um, so PA Dutch. So when I was a kid, my, um, I was living in Lansdale, like I said, but my mom worked full time. My dad worked full time. And in the summer times I would spend the summers with my grandparents. So, um, my grandparents, uh, lived on Noble street in Kutztown and they spoke Pennsylvania Dutch and at the, that's, you know, what they spoke. And my aunts, um, my one aunt is only three years older than I am. So my mom had me very young and she's the, she had four, they have four daughters. So the, the youngest aunt is pretty much, I fall in line with the daughters age wise. Um, and my aunts all understood 
what they were saying and and spoke a little of it back. And so in the summer times at my grandparents' house, that's I would hear PA Dutch all the time. And then all their their friends would come over and their friends would speak PA Dutch. And um there was a lot of Mennonites. My grandmother did a lot of things with Mennonites. So there was there was always Mennonites at the house too. And and she would drive them around to the places that they needed to go. Um anyway, but I grew up uh just kind of thinking that was just that was my grandparents, you know, whatever. But I also had a really hard time. My grandfather had such a thick accent. He was the Adam. So my mom, my grandmother is Hickson and he is Adam. Um, so my mother's maiden name is Adam. Um, anyway, my grandfather had such a thick PA Dutch accent that as a young child, I had a really hard time understanding him. And it's become a joke, you know, for my whole life is that I guess at one point my my father asked me, what did grandpa say to you about something? And I said, I don't know. All he says is blug, blug, blug. And that became like the, just the joke is that grandpa says blub, blub, blub. Um, but as a grown up, and even when I went, when I went back to Kutztown to go to college there, I felt, I felt like an outsider because I didn't grow up there. But I also feel like an insider because I was able to say to people, oh, I'm PA Dutch and my grandfather is Raymond Adam. My mother, my grandmother is Evelyn Adam. I mean, Evelyn Hickson. And they would be like, oh, you're not just some, you know, dopey college kid. You're from the area. So I was kind of able to ride it. And then I also learned some some words. Um, I worked at the quality shop in Kutztown. I was a waitress there. And there was all these old Dutchmen that used to sit on the bench outside and um, they used to stop talking when I would walk by. Anyway, just being like kind of dirty old men. And I learned how to say, uh, so, you know, watch what you're saying. I understand Dutch. And they would mm-hmm. stop doing that sort of thing around me. Um, <clears throat> That's yeah. great. Once a huckabliva, you know, uh, uh, can you catch a fly? Uh, c- oh, to make a fungo. What's a huckabliva? You know, just different things that I picked up, you know, being around them and, and wished that uh, I would have learned it when I was younger. And uh, I remember one point somebody saying, well, you know, it's dying off. Like once, you know, my grandparents' generation die, that's probably going to be the end of the language. And that made me kind of sad. And so I was really happy to find out that you were picking it up and that Kutztown had picked it up. And it was amazing. Um, because I mean, that happens in so many cultures, like, you know, lots of indigenous cultures and it just, it just goes away. Like the younger generations just forget about it. And I'm not doing this amazing job to try and keep it, you know, but I'm, I'm proud of it being part of me, you know, and mm-hmm. I like a good foss knot. <laughs> but, That's cool. Uh, so you're, you're, you're carrying on the tradition then with your kids too. Cause I see a lot of posts too, that you're doing a lot of the traditional stuff. Um, it makes its way into your into your family, which is really neat. And I think, you know, all cultures evolve and, and a lot of the language was, um, it's like a very farming language for rural areas. And I think us as a people can evolve in the time that we're in with, with not keeping the necessarily the language and that's okay. And, and it holds a special place in our heart, but it's, it's one of those things that's unfortunately part of the, um, as my friend Mandy called it, the erasure of the culture, um, just because of uh, the different things that Pennsylvania Dutch people um, kind of survived uh, a lot of, a lot of, um, what's the word I want for it? A lot of, uh, 
um, I guess, prejudice and judgment for Pennsylvania Dutch people, especially the language. Uh, it's really incredible. The stories that you hear when you, when you're interested in, and you're asking people and, and you're listening, the, the stories that you'll hear, even especially with uh, accents was like a really big deal. A lot of people I know, like my grandmother and stuff and people that I know, their grandparents, they were like put in speech clinics and stuff to try and get rid of it. But um, I think we still have a great amount of work to do and efforts, but also so much to share. And, you know, passing those things along to our children is really important and uh, weaving together all the threads and along the, the, uh, the, my grandparents' generation, my grandmother, yeah. Evelyn, Evelyn Hickson uh, turned 94 yesterday. She is still alive and it was her amazing. birthday yesterday. Yeah. I saw the happy birthday to her. And I was thinking, I know you had put something out about sending cards to her. And I was thinking, darn it. Am I too late? I should send her, I'm sure she speaks Sprockensee Deitch, right? She speaks yes, it. She does. Yes, I should she does. send her a book. That would be so cool. Um, I appreciate your, your sentiments about being Pennsylvania Dutch, especially it, you know, living in Philadelphia um, and being kind of removed, but always having it with you. Amy, thank you so much for joining us. I, it was really nice to catch up and talk to you. And um, I can't wait for everybody to hear this and check out your artwork and commission you for some pieces. Um, definitely check out Amy's work. She's incredible and a, and a wonderful person and also very, very multi-talented artist and creator <laughs> and amazing mom, cool mom. Right. <laughs> Perfect timing, Luna. <laughs> Thank you so I much. Thank you. Oh, I hope no, I didn't she... say too much. I'm sorry. No. No. All right. Thanks <laughs> All for right. joining Thank me. You. I really appreciate it. Take care and mock scoot. <laughs> Thank you. Bye. Come on, try it. Bitter. Mock schnoot. Mock scoot. Scoot. Mock you schnoot. got it. I'll talk to you later. I'm going to send your grandmother a package with a book. Oh, love that. Thank you. For sure. All right. You guys take care. All right. Bye. Bye. Hey, all my Big Mama Hex fans, please, please leave a review on Apple Podcasts if you don't mind. And please don't forget to subscribe. Thank you all for listening and mock scoot.